0: Obviously, this finished up with the Christmas season. I know um, my phone's been blowing on up with the New Year's Eve. Uh, bag's coming on up. There's parents who are out of town. Kids are out of town saying, hey, can we bring in, you know, the, the forums on, you know, Tuesday evening? I'm like, absolutely. Uh, parents are calling me saying, man, we're sick this morning. We can't make it. I, I realize it's a very busy time of the year, but as Christians, as followers of Christ— it's a very special time of the year where we can slow down and just stop and just think about the true emphasis and the reason for Christmas. And I hope that, uh, you were able to, um, value that time. I, for us, our household, we were, we were out of town, came back on in, and, and we, um, my wife, she baked the cake and, it's our Jesus cake we call it and uh and we sing happy birthday to jesus and we um go and read the the, the Christmas story and actually had another passage uh as actually an article um through uh, a news organization just talked about just the emphasis on how we just need to live out our faith and how we can change others. So it was a very special time for us. And, and I realized here this morning that we have a lot of people from a lot of different backgrounds and a lot of different, um, just uh, if I can say this, you know, new believers perhaps that are in here. Um, just, just accept that Christ may be here in uh, the last year or so. There might even be unbelievers that are in here. I hope that maybe at the end of this sermon that there's some people that would come to the place of saying, you know what, I need to make a decision to accept accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. But, you know, I realize that whenever you come up here to preach, there's going to be folks, um, you know, that are new in their walk and never been discipled. And, you know, they're just learning what it means to be a Christian. I realize that there's folks who um, have been discipled and they're just starting to, you know, okay, what are some of my spiritual gifts? How, how can God use me? And I realize that there's people in here who've been going to church for many years and, and they're involved in the church greatly. You know, they're, they're being used in the nursery, little kicks, big kicks, teaching, you know, CTI classes, Sunday school, you name it up here, um, in the choir, whatever, um, God has used you. And I know that there's some folks who, uh, practically may say, I, I was born in the church. I've been here all my life, you know, for 50, 60 some years. And, you know, they've heard the Sermon on the Mount and, you know, heard, you know, uh, Ephesians six, you know, the, the, the put on the full armor of God, maybe 107 times throughout their course of life. They, they know, um, scripture well, and you know what, so there's a wide area of, of just, how should I say this? Christians at different areas and walks in life. But the reality is this. The reality is that we're all followers of Jesus Christ, and there is expect from you and I to honor him. He wants it from you. He wants it from myself. And, and, and th- to be completely honest with you, I hope that we can just really be transparent here today and that you guys can stop and just evaluate yourself. Uh, because in this particular text, he also tells us what we we don't need in life. Okay, but if you can just please stay in with me. We're going to read out of Romans 12, and I know that Pastor Stewart gives me a rough time. I grew up being an NIV man, so don't don't hold that against me. Um, God's word tells us here in Romans 12:1. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You may be seated. When I look at this particular text, I'm going to jump on back here to Romans 6 real quick. When Paul going through, he, he covers a lot of the theological end of things here. And then he comes to verse 12, and it's more or less the, the practical end, how we can apply this to our lives. And never at any point in time do we separate the theological from practical. They, they work together. The, the theological is, is really our foundation on how we can move forward. But when we start out, and I'm going to kind of dissect this particular verse uh, apart here, both verses. When he says, therefore, what he's referring to here is in... in uh, Romans 6, and I'm going to start here with 11 and through 14. Because Paul's referring back in and, and again. I had some time where I was able just to study through, and I learned a lot from this. That's what I like whenever I go and I, and I preach and I dig into things, uh, how the, the different Greek was used in, in both of these particular texts. And, and there's it was, it was some good stuff here. In Romans 6, 11 through 14, it says, In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus Unpackaged this here. I realize we're coming into a time of the year where uh, we make the new year's resolutions where we Evaluate the, the year before 2019 the things that we were wanting to accomplish and and perhaps we weren't really successful So we um, go and make uh, Those promises to ourselves saying okay, this is what I want to do I want to shed X amount of pounds. I want to make sure I do this I'm gonna do this do this and we make these promises for 2020 and what we want to do and I guess I, I want to come to you in, in not from the physical standpoint. Maybe some of you guys do this spiritually. So I want to challenge you here this morning from Romans 12, 1 through 2, on how you can challenge yourself saying, okay, what are some things I need to do? Look at my life and evaluate my life and say, what are some things I need to do just to, to make sure I'm walking with the Lord? What, what does it mean for me to, to come before Him and, and offer my body as, as truly as a, a living sacrifice? What does it mean for me not to conform any longer to the pattern of this world but be transformed by the renewing of our mind? As Christians, when we read God's Word, the Holy Spirit is going to prompt you and I. And we need to make changes in our lives. Let me say this again. There's going to be some times in your life where you're just like, man, things are going good, I, everything's clicking well, and all of a sudden, I, you know, you're opening God's Word, and you're reading, and you're saying, wow, I didn't realize that I was supposed to live by this particular standard. I wasn't aware of this. Or it might even be some things that you and I are involved in where the Holy Spirit was just saying, man, um, you know what, that, that's something that's not healthy. You need to stay away from that. So I really want to put a huge emphasis um, here and realize that you and I need to make changes in our lives. Anytime I use the word change, I'm here to say that there's probably some folks out there that probably cringe. Um, why? Because change is not a, a word that people like. I mean, seriously. I mean, if I were going to go and in, like, go into your house and just move all your furniture around, okay. Some of you say, "Why did you change things on up?" Okay. Now there's some people that, that may um, uh, even come here to church and set in a, a particular area, and like, you know what? Let's change things on up today. Let's go set somewhere different. That, that's a cool thing. You know, when you're willing to to, to Take that step and say, you know what? I'm going to embrace change. Because if you're a Christian and you're wanting to live your life full, thought, full throttle for God, there's going to be change that occurs in your life, if you like it or not. And it's not necessarily a bad thing. I think many times we, we just kind of say change is a negative concept. And we just like, we don't embrace it. We don't like it. But I'm here to tell you, as followers of Christ, change is a good thing. That means we're growing and God's using this in a really mighty and awesome way. And it says here, it says, what, um, it says here to to live a risk-free life and expect to praise god okay uh you know what friday uh we took some students on up to equipping the saints and some of you may not be familiar what equipping saints is all about so i'll rewind a little bit across the street over here we have a closed closet and, and they bring in all kinds of clothes each wednesday evening uh, lori gives us a call if lori's in here wave your hand okay there's lori she'll, she'll shoot me a text or give me a call and say hey we need the students to come on over and load up the, um, you know, the boxes in the van. So we go on over and we grab all the boxes and they'll say either S or W for summer, winter. And we'll load up the boxes into the van and they take that van on up to equipping the saints and they ship the clothes throughout the world. Through uh, When we were up there Friday, they said over 60 different countries. I'm like, that's pretty cool. So they needed our help, and I just say kudos to uh, the youth that were free on Friday. They could have stayed home and said, man, I just want to be a bum. But we had around 10, 12 students that, that came in here Friday and went up and worked for like five, six hours, and it was just, it was pretty awesome. Uh, when I was up there, they showed a video of Francis Chan, and it was just, ah, I just showed it actually in our in our uh, Sunday school class, and in In this particular video, it's short clip, and and it's called um, basically the balance beam video. It's four or five minutes. You guys can Google it and find it, watch it. It's worth watching, Uh, but he's on this balance beam and he talks about just us as Christians walking. And he said, so many times we don't wanna live uh, a life that's risky or uh, change. He said we, we like to live a life of routine, and and he kind of uses this this um, this visual where he gets down on the balance beam and he and he hugs the beam and he said this is where we at as Christians, where we just want to live this life just so secure. And he uses all kinds of different stories and things along that line. And he said, you know, and then. We even wish that we could just die in our sleep, so we don't have to suffer. And then, you know, he kind of slides a leg off the balance beam, and he jumps on up, and he goes da da. And, and you know, there we are before God, and God's looking at him, saying, "Um, how am I supposed to judge this routine? Because you just kind of coasted through life. You kind of just went through the motions and just did this routine of just being safe." And he said, "How, how am I supposed to judge that?" Am I was supposed to say, well done, good and faithful servant? And wow, that video just really hit me hard because you know what? I think there's times in our life that we just want to just kind of go through the routine, play things safe, then all of a sudden, you know what? We just say, okay, I know that when we stand before God, he's going to say, well done, good and faithful servant. I want to challenge you this morning as we go into Romans 1 through 2 and just just realize that God wants all of you. And there's going to have to be some changes, I believe, that take place in our life. And I think it's good, even like David, he said, Lord, search me. Know my, my, my every ways, my, my thoughts. And, and I think it, it, as you take a car in for a tune-up... I think we need tune-ups every now and then where we just go before the Lord and just say, you know what, Lord, what are some things that's going on in my life that maybe I'm not aware of that I need to change and some things I need to really work on so that I'm serving you. And, and you know what? Um, so we're going to venture into that particular area. So here, uh, we said, uh, as we go in here, it says, I urge you, brothers, and if you have uh, different versions, it says, I beseech you, brother. And Paul just very simple says, what basis does Paul appeal to the Roman Christians? His appeals on the basis of the mercies of God intended for both Jews and for Gentiles. It says here, it says, the bodies, uh, our bodies are supposed to be a living sacrifice. And I never really thought about this, because if you go to the First Corinthians um uh, six nineteen through twenty says that, that our body is the temple of God. So, you know, so why is Paul asking for us to to you know present our bodies as a living sacrifice when our bodies really are a living sacrifice? In short, what Paul is saying that says, Now present once and for all all your body to God, giving him completely just complete control over everything in your life. Now for you that might be a real struggle. And especially for men. I believe that men, we, we like to be in control. Uh, I'll speak for myself. I like to be in control. And for us to hand the reins on over and say, God, you're in complete control. But that's ultimately what God wants you and I to come to this place of saying, I surrender. You know what? I had, you know, um, I had a professor by my name, Dr. West. He said, the one time we're more apt to sin is whenever we sing songs. And I'm like, what do you mean by that? And uh, he said... Sometimes we'll sing songs and we don't really mean them. And I was thinking about the song, I Surrender All. And I looked on our paper and not knowing that's the song we're going to sing when we get done here. Because when we, at times in life, we'll sit there and say, oh, Lord, I surrender all, I surrender all. And we're not willing to really surrender all. We're willing to surrender maybe 50% or maybe 90%. But yet we sing songs like, Lord, I surrender all. And if we don't mean that, then we probably shouldn't sing that, okay? Okay. And I know that may come across kind of harsh, but I do believe it falls into a category of sin. When we sit there and say, Lord, I surrender all, I surrender all, you know, here I am, whatever praise song it is, I think we need to take a step back and say, you know what, if I'm singing this, I better believe it. And I, I understand that this is between the Lord and I, and, and and if I don't, then maybe I just need to keep my mouth quiet and not say anything at all. Because I think it is, it is so important for us uh, to, to come to this place whenever we just say, "I." if you can complete control. Uh, it says too many Christians don't indicate that, that they belong to God. And I believe this is true. If, if you, um, let, let's, let me just say it this way. If you're a follower of Christ or if you know someone who is a follower of Christ and they don't act or their language, their talk is no different than those people that live in the world, then I think that you need to take a step back and probably reevaluate Um, where that person is at in their relationship with Jesus. Because we should stand on that. We should be a a beacon of light whenever you and I become living sacrifices to the Lord. We don't just become camouflaged into the ways of this world by any means. If anything, we we come to a place where we we say, you know what? Um, I can tell that there's something different about that guy. You know, what? that guy right there, I can tell that he's a Christian. He's a follower of God when we were up with the saints <laughs> another guy just came on in off the streets I'm not sure who the guy was actually and he's like yeah we went and did this here and we were able to get like 40 some salvations I'm like awesome I'm like giving him a high five and he said you know what he said then we went to Wendy's and stopped there and we started sharing Jesus with everybody in there and I'm like gave him another high five I'm like that is awesome you know that, that person right there is giving God complete control of his life I hope that when we wake up in the mornings we can come to a place where we can say okay God here I am Lord, how do you want to use me this morning? What people, not, I don't believe in coincidence by any means, what people are going to cross my path this morning that you want me to share the message of Christ? Or whatever it may be, Lord, that you just want me just to encourage them, to love on them, to bless them, to help them on out in in whatever ways, to serve them. And you know what, if we approach it with that kind of attitude, I think God can use us in a very powerful and just an amazing way. I want to go through because here it says... Um, you know, as I was looking through and I just thought this was really interesting because in 1 Samuel, um, you know, 522, it was Saul. Saul was uh, a, one of the first kings and um, uh, the Lord had spoke to Saul and said, you know what? Um, I want you to go to the Amalekites and I want you to go and just totally destroy everything and don't keep anything for for yourself and just just go there and and um, literally um, he said, kill, okay? And but Saul was not faithful, okay? Saul was not faithful by any means. He went, brought the king back, and his men brought cattle so, so that they could be sacrificed. And what is interesting is this. When we talk about sacrifices, I'm going to go to my—I um, saved everything on my phone, so allow me to get there. Samuel said this to Saul. He said, But Samuel replied, Does the Lord not delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as he, uh, as much as obeying the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed is better than the fact of rams. I just want to challenge you to understand that, you know what, come to church is an important thing. In the Old Testament, let me rewind and finish up here. Old Testament, man... You know, Saul's thinking, man, you know, these some great animals here. They're perfect. We can go and sacrifice these to the Lord. And he's going to be pleased. He's going to be happy. And all of a sudden, Samuel says, you know what? You, you disobeyed me. You disobeyed, you disobeyed the Lord. I'll get it on out here. And the Lord wasn't looking for that sacrifice. What he was wanting was Obedience. So in, even in the midst of us offering ourselves as a living sacrifice, as you and I read God's Word, we need to be obedient to His Word and follow His Word, whatever it, whatever it is that, that the Lord is uh, teaching you if you're going through Sunday school class or discipleship, whatever it is. that you know, Hopefully at that point in time you say, you know what? I need to be obedient to God's Word. Um, let me finish on up here with what does it mean? What kind of sacrifices as Christian uh, our Christian bodies uh, is according to Paul here? It says this, and we have several here, about nine of these things I'd just like to touch on. It says, Paul here wants you and I to be an absolute sacrifice. He may be, excuse me, he may be Savior of our life, but is he not Lord at, at all unless he is Lord of all? There's a lot of people I believe in life that would like to have fire insurance. So, you know what, I'm saved. I know that, you know, I'm not going to go to hell, but for him to be Lord of my life, that's a whole different story. Again, that means that he's going to have the reins and he's going to be truly in charge of my life. And that means I got to work at this relationship daily. So he, he wants you and I to come to the place where it's an absolute sacrifice, where we say, okay, Lord, here I am. You got me. I'm yours. I want you to be Lord of my life. And you know what? Some of you have made that decision, have taken that step of faith. And if you have, all I can say is praise God, because that's a wonderful thing. That's where he wants us to come to this place of us surrendering and allowing him not only to be Savior, but to be Lord. Two It is to be a uh, definite sacrifice. For most, for most Christians, it will take place at a specific time and place. That's self-explanatory. It is to be a complete sacrifice. It will involve putting all of the members of your, bo- your body in God's disposal. It implies that you're waiting orders from the master. I like that. Where you're on call and you're sitting there and say, okay, God, what do you want me to do? Okay, king. Okay, master. I'm your soldier. Tell me the orders. My body is a vessel for you. That's what a living sacrifice is. One of the pictures of that looks like. It is to be an immediate sacrifice. The sooner the Lord gets our sacrifice, the more he will be able to do, do with us. If you don't think there's a spiritual battle that's going on, how many guys have ever heard this saying when you, you know that you've been talking to someone uh, that is not saved and you're sharing the gospel with them, you're praying for them, and, and literally the person responds with this kind of answer. They say, you know, I'm just not quite ready yet. You know, somewhere down the road, you know, I might just make that decision, but I'm just, I'm, I'm not there. I, I believe that there's a spiritual battle going on to be that living sacrifice. Because obviously the Lord has plans for your lives. He wants to use you in a very powerful and just an amazing way. He can't use you if you don't surrender your life to him. So, I hope and pray that you guys can, can understand and this is the significance and importance of being that living sacrifice, and that God has plans for you and wants to use you and i 'll take it a step further, if some of you are here involved in, or here at church you 're not involved i 'd encourage you to get involved somehow some way. Calvary does some amazing things to you know we have the food pantry too. Uh, you name it. We have all kinds of, of missions and, and just ministries going on if you 're not involved to speak to the Lord. And I don't know what your passions or what your abilities are, but utilize them. And it's come to a place of saying, okay, I'm gonna take the step of faith and I'm gonna go in and, and volunteer to do this. Or I'm gonna go and try to help out in this particular area. I just wanna be this living sacrifice. I wanna be used by God right here and now. So please just just pray through that and consider that. It says here, it says, it is a costly sacrifice. And the Lord knows this. Um, Any true sacrifice will make... Uh, will make will cost us something. This one will cost the ultimate. We give up ourselves totally to the Lord for us completely. And I think if we stop and just look at Christ himself by willing to go to the cross, um, he he was a a living sacrifice. He was willing to, to give up everything. And if you look at even the disciples themselves, that they came full circle and they came to a place where it's like, okay, it's not us; it's about Him, and we want to serve Him. And many of them died some, you know, just horrible uh, deaths. You know, were you know uh, burned. You know, um, just yeah, we won't go into that. But you know what? There, there's going to be some some things that I can't sugarcoat. It, I guess is what I'm trying to say, because there, there's going to be hardship you know, I had a young man that came in here a couple weeks ago, and this is kind of like a pastor's dream. A gentleman who called, and in short, just said, you know, uh, do do you pastors ever just take time just to listen, um, you know, with someone who's just going through some troubles and and issues? I'm like, yeah, you know, come on in, and and he came on in, and and, um, it was during our staff meeting, so I excused myself, and we went and met, and had opportunity just to share uh, with this young man, and this young man um, except that Christ is the Lord and Savior. It was, it was just awesome. You know, and, and yeah, it is praise the Lord. And it had nothing to do with it. God just said, hey, here you are. Um, here's this young man. He, he's hurting, but you know what? I want you to go and explain to him. And I, I didn't sugarcoat. I said, I, I want you to understand when you make this decision to follow Christ, before you even make this decision, this, is, this decision has nothing to do with me. It's between you and our Father in heaven. And I want you to know that if you invite Christ into your life, it doesn't mean that, that all your troubles and issues, problems are going to be just like a magical wand. They're going to go away. You know what? Matter of fact, it could actually get worse because we have an enemy that hates, hates the fact that, that for someone to transfer from, from death to life and knowing that he can be a living sacrifice, that God could use you in just in a very powerful way, just in a, a very instrumental way. And I said, I want you to understand that if you do make this decision... Even though there might be more hardship, but you know what? The Lord's going to walk with you. He's going to help you through whatever you're, you're, you're contending with. And you've got to understand, it's no longer your battle, but it's his battle. And you just turn it on over to him. And and it, it, if you would have been there, I just, I just wept because he prayed this beautiful prayer. It was amazing. And he called me back the next day or so. I said, man, God's just, just doing some amazing things, and I can't wait. I told him, well, I'm going to go over and visit with his family and his kids. And just, I, I was just thrilled. But you know what? I I can't sugarcoat that because I wish I could say that the Christian life is easy. Sometimes it's difficult. It really is. And it's going to, especially when you want to do it right and you're in the trenches, man, day after day, it becomes exhausting sometimes. And I'm just being real. Okay, let me go on here. Living sacrifice, it says, it is a living sacrifice. It is different from the Old Testament ones, which were dead and only useful for a brief time. And it goes to sacrifice. The Christian's body is is a sanctuary in which the Holy Spirit dwells. In First Corinthians nine, nineteen through twenty, it is a well pleasing sacrifice. It is something that God desires to give uh, him freely for His use, and we're going to go on here and then stop and think about just, uh, who would be the poster child person in scripture that I, I could maybe just get, give you a illustration or paint a picture of. And the Lord took me to Peter and we look at Peter's life, Simon. Um, and the Lord came to him and, and um, asked him to come And in literally for three, three and a half years, he walked with Christ and got to see Jesus do some amazing things. I mean, you know, perform miracles, cast demons on out. And just, you know, I, I can't imagine, you know, just being with those disciples and walking with Jesus and, and seeing these things just firsthand. And, and then we, we see Jesus, or excuse me, we see Peter here in Mark eight twenty nine. And I think this is, to me, um, it, it is such a powerful verse. And that is where Jesus is with all the disciples. And he asked this question. He said, who do people say that I am? And the disciples answered, and he looks at Peter and says, Peter, who do you say that I am? Peter responds, he says, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And you know what? I mean, Peter just nailed it. I mean, and he said, you know what? That wasn't given to you by your own knowledge. Our, our, my Father in heaven went and revealed that to you. Matter of fact, if you guys ever hear, you know, there's people out there saying, well, there's only been one person that's ever walked on water. That's not true. There's actually been two people that's walked on water, okay? And Peter's one of them. When he was out there on the boat and, and the Lord was over there and, and Peter, I just, he's, he's a very unique character. You know, he's like, hey, Lord, uh, call me to you. Let me, you know, um, let me, let, let me, you know, get out of this boat and walk to you because Jesus is walking on water. And, and Peter steps on out and he starts walking, and, um, you know, and obviously we know the story where um, he loses focus and he starts to sink and the, and the Lord comes over and grabs him. You know, the way my mind operates at times, I often wonder what Peter thought, you know, when he started walking. How far did he walk? You know, was it like, you know, just a few steps? Was he, was he out there a good 20, 30 yards, something along that line? And after he sunk, he, you know, afterwards, like, man... What was wrong with me? You know, I was walking on water. You know, I was doing something absolutely amazing. And you know what? And I lost focus. Why did I lose focus? You know, I'm, maybe, maybe, you know, I don't know about you, but if I was Peter, I'd be wondering, I'm like, man, I totally just blew that. That was like, why didn't I just take off running to Jesus? You know, and just, you know, do a couple cartwheels, whatever. You know, I mean, you know, I wonder what he was thinking, you know, uh, you know, afterwards that hindsight's always twenty twenty. saying, man, I was doing it. Then why did I fail? And, um, you know, it, it's just neat sometimes when you just look and just meditate and ponder on Scripture. But Peter goes and says, you know what? He says, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And we go a little bit further. And um, Jesus tells Peter, he said, you know, um, there's going to be a time coming where I'm going to be arrested and I'm going to leave this earth. And um, and Peter um, very strongly says, you know, Lord, I'm not going to desert you. I'm, I'm not going to forsake you. And And... And uh, the Lord looks at Peter and says, Matter of fact, um, you're going to deny me three times. And Peter's like, There's no way. So the, the guy. A little bit earlier, it says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. We get him to a place where he's, you know, Jesus is arrested. He goes before uh, the officials. He's before the Sanhedrin. And uh, a young girl comes on up to Peter and he said, aren't you that, that, that person that was hanging out with that Galilean or that Jesus guy? And he looks at her and he just rebukes her and says, I have no idea what you're talking about. I've never seen this Jesus guy before in my life. Never. And another girl comes on up, asks, if you guys read text, he said he actually made an oath saying, I swear I've never been with this guy before. And then the very last time, he curses. He says, just, just get away from me. You don't know what the blankety blank. I never met this guy, I don't know this guy. And all of a sudden the cock rooster crows because Jesus said that that would take place when you deny me three times. So why is it, you know, that as a guy that comes to a place of saying, you're the Christ, the Son of the living God, and comes to a place where he denies Jesus three times that I never knew this guy, you made an oath and even cursed. I think that's rather interesting. I say that because I believe you and I in this, this living sacrifice is a process. Okay. Peter didn't just instantly become this person that went to Pentecost and preached this incredible message and thousands of people came to know him as Lord and Savior. I believe that the Lord will shape us and mold us into the people that he wants us to be. And that comes here in the second verse when we get there where it talks about not conforming to the patterns of this world, but, you know, a place where he goes and he renews our mind and he helps us, takes us to this place where we can be that living sacrifice. He did that with Peter. You know, Peter ended up Um, In the book of Acts well, let's go back here to John, because um, after Jesus is resurrected, he appears to, to Peter and, and he reinstates Peter, and says, will you feed my sheep? And he says that three times and, and, and reinstates him. And, and we see Peter just kind of getting on fire and, 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 you know, Pentecost, he goes and preaches this incredible message. Thousands of people come to know him as Lord and Savior and God, God starts using him as his tool and his vessel. And he comes to this place where we can say, this is kind of what a living sacrifice is starting to look like. You know, this, he's be- beginning to surrender more and more to him so he can be that tool and that vessel for god and we know that he ended up being an incredible leader for the, the, the church and, and god just um this did some amazing things in his life i believe he can do amazing things in your life likewise let me go on through here and whether or not if you want to call this a work of sanctification where god works through our life through circumstances that allow us to become more obedient to follow him to become more holy but it says this is, do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Growing up in Indiana, which is where I um, grew up in, um, in Bern, Indiana, which, if you guys are familiar with Bern, is a strong Swiss uh, community. And I grew up around Amish. My best friend was an Amish, Levi. And uh, Levi L.B. Swartz. And if you're not familiar with how Amish communicate to other Amish, um, his middle initials uh, indicate who his mom and his dad. So my, my dad is Fred and my mom is Mary Lou. So if I would sit there and say my name, I'd say my name is Todd F. M. L. Yoder. Okay, they're like, oh, you're Fred and Mary Lou's boy. That's how they associate in, or how they communicate in the community. Um, because when when I think of this particular uh, verse here, and I say conform to the patterns of this world, I always heard this the saying so much in the Amish community, saying, "Oh, it's worldly. It's a worldly thing," you know, and they. Uh, the Amish I grew around, uh, grew up with and around, uh, literally, um, I was over there a lot because I didn't have no other friends really to hang out with. So I, I knew how to hook up the, the buggy. I knew how many slices of hay to give to the horse. And we picked every imagine. It was no automatic machine. I picked them on up. You had to make sure the sharp point was down. And we actually threw a few at each other at times and the other people and all that kind of fun stuff. So I won't tell you the mischievous things that we did. <laughs> yeah. But anyhow, but we're talking about worldly and I thought it was always interesting because um, everything was kind of dictated by the, the bishops, okay? And, and the bishops, because um, when I was in seminary, I, um, in Evan, my evangelism class, they asked, what, what is a people group that you would like to um, reach out to? Or, or, you know, and if you're wanting to reach out to them, uh, what would be the strategy and, and all this, just the whole gambit? And I put down Amish, and my professor's like, hmm. He said, um, I'm going to let you roll with this. And I said, all right. So um, I was able to to get a hold of a person who, uh, his name is Laverne Troyer. And he was a part of a very prominent leader in the Amish community. And literally he, um, probably more information you need to know. Um, but was reading through the Bible and uh, read the gospel. And he went before the bishops and said, here, hey, we're preaching works. And you know what? Um. Uh, in short, he, he um, was cast out and he was excommunicated because he became a believer in Jesus Christ. And um, now I had another Amish man by the name of Marvin Wicky, And they, they were a breed of their own because they professed Christ, but yet they still lived in the Amish order. And the Levi, who I grew up with, who was actually a preacher for the Amish. So my mom put her cell phone in his mailbox and we talked a little bit. And I said, so how do you determine what is worldly or not? And he said, I said, because you guys have push mowers with engines, and his wife, Josephine Graber, (laughs) you like this, uh, one of 23 siblings. And uh, there's three sets of twins. So how would you like to have 23? Yeah, well, 22 brothers and sisters. Uh, But anyhow, um, I, I said, down there, I said, all they can use is just the grass, you know, propelled. And, you know, all the bathrooms are outside and things. like. I said, who determines that? I said, well, the bishops do. I said, oh. I said, okay. I said, and I even threw out the question. I said, you know, I'm a believer in Christ. I said, I'm a, you know, a Christian. I said, I have electricity. and I have a car. I said, do you consider me worldly? He didn't know how to answer that to the fullest degree. Um, But in short, um, when we talk about things that are worldly, I mean, there's a lot of people out there, even religious leaders that can, you know, where we can become very legalistic. But ultimately, we need to reel it back in and say, okay, what does God's Word have to say? What does the Holy Spirit have to say about what is worldly? And you know what? God's going to bring you to a different, some of you to, I don't think, I'm not going to say a different place, but where you're at in your walk at that particular moment in time. But He'll bring everybody at the same place on some things as, as far as just uh, the lifestyle that you live. Okay? And, um, and if I can say this, because I, I think that, um, for us, we got to make sure that the culture that we live in, and I told our students, we have really everything at our beck and call here in America. If I was going to ask some of you, when's the last time you want, you know, without a meal, if some of you say, well, I ate breakfast this morning, that's the last time I've ate. Um, we go, we could go to some third world countries and say, you know, it's been two or three days, maybe a week since we've ate a meal. When's the last time you've had maybe heat or electricity, whatever? We have everything really at our back and call, and and you know what? I think it's really easy to get caught up in the things of this world. That's just my perspective. You can disagree with me 100%. I just believe that there's so much for us out there in this culture that we live in that we can just get swallowed on up and just lose focus on being committed to Christ. I'll just say that, okay. So, how how do we keep that in balance? How how do we sit there and say, okay, you know what? I, I believe that there's some things that are really becoming idols and gods to me, and I need the real just back on in and make sure that God's first place in my life. We can't have one, you know, foot on one side of the fence and the other foot on the other side of the fence, saying, you know what? I'm a Christian. I love Jesus, but man, I love the things of this world. And you know, we have to come to the place of saying, you know what? I'm all in with Christ, and I want to live my life for him. Because when we live a life like this, this is where in the church we say, oh, that person, he's a hypocrite, or she's a hypocrite. You know, they live this double standard life. They can't call us hypocrites when we're totally sold out to Jesus. You know what? It is, I I, I will say this. There's going to be some people that may look at you a little bit different, okay, when you're totally sold out for Jesus, because... I'll be honest with you, when you guys unpackage um, do not conform to the patterns of this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, there there can be conflict there. There could be conflict where you say, you know what, this is not this is not easy. This is really kind of tough because I like some of the things of this world. They're they're pleasurable. Matter of fact, we took our students down to Nashville, on uh, World Changers, we went down to like this this street where it was like sin city. It was crazy. Um, some of you is like, oh yeah, I know that place. Um, and okay. But anyhow, uh, we very deliberately, and I, I remember walking through and there was something that really blew me away. There was like tons of women from like 40 to 50 years old that were dressed like teenagers. And I'm like, hello, you know, let's, let's get over this day and air and grow up a little bit. Um, but we're walking students on through, I mean, there's this craziness. You know, uh, when I say just bars, people running around, some of the things visually that we saw, we, was, we, we just kind of reeled it back on in. I t- told the students that we're, I mean, we had to yell because they're beating drums and, and playing music. I said, guys, sin is enticing. I said, sin is enticing. If it wouldn't be, there wouldn't be thousands of people out here going up and down the streets having a great time, what they think is a great time. I said, you know what? That's you guys gotta understand. You know, the ways of this world, they can be very enticing at times. We can't sugarcoat that either. Think about it. Right now, maybe some families, marriages, children who've, who decided just to go off in a different direction. It wasn't because the world wasn't enticing, the world was very enticing. I wasn't gonna sugarcoat it for the students saying, "Guys." This is real life right here, you know. And we stopped and we prayed. It was so cool. I we, 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 said, so let's gather around. And, 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 and I think one of the students was like, let's gather around. Let's just pray for these people. So we got together and we prayed. And the really sad thing is three streets or three blocks on over was tons of homeless people all over the place. So um, that, that was um, very interesting that, that that environment took place. It can be very uncomfortable um, when you want to conform to the patterns of this world, it can be a humbling experience. It can flat out just not be easy. It, it is a, a, really a life that is set apart. I know that whenever I was in high school, one of the toughest things I ever had to do, I had a group of guys I hung out with since third grade. And, um, and literally all through middle school, high school, we were just friends. Uh, but man, I tell you what, they were the partying group guys you could ever imagine. And, um, I chose not to drink because my my dad uh, was an alcoholic and I just saw the the abuse and didn't want anything to do with it. But I was a designated driver um, and literally um, that environment was not healthy. And I wish, at that point in time, I wish I had a dad that spoke into my life and said, man, you don't need to be around that kind of atmosphere, around that kind of garbage. Um, But I remember whenever I had to to make that, that decision to say, you know what? I can't be around these kind of people no more they're impacting me. God's word says bad company, corrupts good, you know, character. And, um, God just gave me all kinds of new friends, brothers in Christ that, that were there to lift me on up. It was just truly amazing. Um, where to this day I can call them on up and say, man, what's going on? I'm like, Hey, this is what's going on. Let me pray for you. And those were some really cool friends. You know, now don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to be judgmental. Some of my old friends that, that I had, um, when I, it was up in Indiana last time, I got to see them, talk to them, and I hope and pray that I can have the opportunity to share the gospel with them. You know what? So when I say that you're set apart, um, I realized that I, I had to make that that sever. I had to cut those ties in order for me to grow in my relationship with Christ. I believe by all means that that we need to go, you know, Jesus was a friend of sinners and he rubbed shoulders with sinners. So I'm not saying in any way that we should not go on out and, and go into the heat of the battle and, and share the gospel. Please, I'm not saying that. Um, it's, here it says, there'll be certain things that come into your, your life that will need to be trans, um, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. There's going to be some things in your life that you're going to say, you know what? And I, I can go on for a long time saying, man, I remember there's some things in my my life prior to becoming a Christian that were so right. But you know what? Once I became a Christian, the Holy Spirit, Spirit started talking to me. I had different leaders sharing God's word, teaching. All of a sudden, I had a different perspective on things. It was, it was really uh, that... that um, um, you talk about just the renewing of our minds. It, it was there. It happened. So there will be worldly temptations. Uh, but you know what? Ultimately, the ball is in your court. You guys got to make a decision. Say, you know what, Lord? I want to be this living sacrifice. I want to surrender all. You know what, Lord? I want your Holy Spirit. Because uh, God's word says the Holy Spirit is a counselor. I need him to counsel me in some of these areas that I might think, you know, it's okay. You know, I'm good to go with this. But whenever I do some of these things, why is that I feel kind of horrible inside. And that's when you take a step back and you just pray through and say, okay, God, um, I realize that, you know, and it's not necessarily bad things. I think that there can be a lot of good things that can become idols to us. I believe there's a lot of good things that can consume us. And we just kind of put God in the back burner and we say, you know what, right now, I'm going to go to the ball field. I'm going to go do this. Or I'm going to go to the woods and do some hunting. I'm going to do this and do this. And there has to be that balance in your life where you say, you know what? Uh, I want to make sure, first and foremost, that I'm not living sacrifice. I want to make sure that, you know what? I want to make sure that um, I do not conform to the patterns of this world, but the Lord will just speak through me and renew my mind to help me think the way that He wants me to think. Here it says this to stop conforming to the patterns of this world. So if we obey. This commandment, it will affect every area of our lives. Our dress, our driving, our speech, our spending, our Sunday observance, our dating, our marriage, our job, our entertainment, and our thoughts. And the second point here is this. It says, we need to continue on permitting ourselves to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. Continue on letting the Lord make your minds new again. This will involve an inward as well as an outward change. It's inevitable whenever we say, okay, Lord, I surrender all, I give everything to you, and we're allowing him to just daily just renew our minds, that it's going to impact the way that you and I act, the way that we we operate, and people are going to see that it's going to take place. I'm going to land here with this. My question to you is this. Have you offered your body as a living sacrifice to the Lord? Have you been willing to just to hand the reins and say, Lord, I give you everything? I realize that this body that I live, this life that I live, is really not mine, it's yours. And maybe I'm speaking to two different groups of people. Maybe there's someone in here who's never made that decision to accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. And today is the day where they say, you know what? I never realized this. I need to step on up and say, I surrender. Because we're going to be singing the song, I Surrender All. And please, if you're singing it, I pray that you'll come to a place and say, yeah, I mean this. I surrender all to you. Or maybe you're a Christian in here, and you know what? You've been giving the Lord like 30, 40, 50%. I'm not here to judge you. I know that I struggle. There's days I don't give 100%. There's days that Pastor Stewart, Pastor Bobby, and Pastor Andy don't give 100%. I can't speak for them, but I'm being a realist. You know what? This life is not easy. There's days that we struggle. There's days that that are a little bit more difficult than others. But the the emphasis is is our attitude is that, Lord, I'm willing to surrender everything to you daily. Help me. Guide me. I want to be that living sacrifice. That's my prayer here as we sing here in a short moment. The second is this. Maybe there's some worldly things, some things that you've conformed to, to this world. The life that you're living is, they can't really, people can't really see the difference in your life because it, it, it's not much different than someone who's not a Christian. And you need to step back and say, you know what? I need to, you know, I, I, the Lord's been kind of knocking at my heart that there's some things I need to change. Some things I just need to surrender to Him. Some things that I know that He wants to speak to me on. And maybe this is the time for you to say, you know what, Lord? Uh, This is time for you just to renew my mind and help me be that person that you want me to be.